You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Jones going to the other side, wide open, and look at this, caught by the rookie Andrew Thomas. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Hello, Grump. It is that time of the year again, that weekend, where we have two traditions. If you're a Florida Gator like me, this is the weekend you annually beat the shit out of Tennessee. And if you're a New York football giant fan like you and me, you find yourself 0-2 and thinking, we better win this week or else our season's over. So welcome to Traditions Weekend. It's not... Let's do that again. Sorry about that. Okay. Something, something got fucked up with my mic. It's all right. Oh. Welcome back to Just Science with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Grump, guess what? It's that weekend of the year. It's Tradition Saturday and Tradition Sunday. If you're a Florida Gator like this guy is, it's the annual beating of Tennessee and if you're a Giant fan like me and you, you know we are every year this weekend 0-2, needing to win to salvage our season. So welcome to Tradition Weekend, Grump. I know. I know. It's not a fun tradition, really. Um, but Well, half of it isn't, but yeah. It's also not fun to be uh, soaking wet walking from car to front door. Um Crazy, crazy rain going on. I'm hoping – I think we're getting better weather Sunday at 1 o'clock at MetLife where the Giants will host the Atlanta Falcons who also suck just like Tennessee. Um, <laughs> this is this is the big game, man. I mean 0-2, getting a win here is not just needed. It is critical. Um, it's a really big deal. And also it's Eli's induction into the Ring of Honor ceremony game. Um, I think that there's going to be a really big – I don't know, man. We've seen a couple of different halftime shows that we've stayed around for, you know, anniversaries of the 1990 team or something like that and all these other things. This is I'm probably the most excited for this induction. I mean, it's a it's a player that I remember watching in college and then being drafted and it was like a whole fiasco. He's been my quarterback for my adult. He's the best quarterback we had for a lot of if, my life. I mean, Phil Sims was already retired. I was pretty young still. So yeah, I mean, this this is a quarterback and a player of your generation. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I am I'm a little older than the Grump, so you know, I go back to when Phil Sims started with the Giants. So you know, I've I've been through you know the, the all the Super Bowls and Sims and Taylor and you know all of those guys all the way through to you know the current crop. But this is your guy, mm-hmm. and for a lot of people at MetLife Stadium this weekend, this is their guy too. And, you know, he may not have the same cultural impact of a Derek Jeter with the Yankees, but this, he's one of those rare athletes who starts his career, ends his career with the same team. You know, he's not, he'll be always be identified with this team, you know, more so than his college. Um, and it's, just, it's a special weekend for him. And, you know, it'd be nicer if this football team was in a state of desperation and despair and that same annual blah. But, you know, it is what it is. But I think, you know, the fans will be fired up, you know, when when it, you know, 
we're at halftime and they, they're getting out that little stage they always do. And they bring out all the old giants that, you know, he played with and, and so on and so forth. And I, I am looking forward to that. You know, hopefully, you know, I have a very, very early flight from Gainesville and I'm not even going to be getting to the Meadowlands till early second quarter. So hopefully my flight's in on time. The game is a very slow first half and I can get there in time for the ceremony. But, uh, It'll be worth all the planes, trains, and automobiles we'll take to get there. <laughs> well, I mean, let's hope that your plane is early. That would be even better, right? Um, That'd be fantastic. But, you know, my luck, no freaking way. How long do you think the ovation is going to be for Eli? I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, three to three minutes, something like that. I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be one of those, you know, 11-minute deals for somebody. I mean, it's, again... Let's put it like a long time for that's a long time, but people to be cheering. But, but some of these guys get like, you know, I, I remember looking at an old YouTube clip and uh, I think it was Mantle's last at bat or something or someone like that. And it was like, like an 11 minute standing ovation. It was crazy. Hmm. Um, oh, I know what it was. And also I remember when Thurman Munson passed away and they had, um, you know, the ceremonies when, they, when we were playing Baltimore in that first game back. And I think that was like 12, 13 minutes of nonstop clapping and cheering. Um, I mean, this is not at the same level, but I think he gets a, you know, a real New York moment he's going to get. And I think he he very richly deserves it. You know, Super Bowl rings are nice. Hall of Fame is nice. But the best thing you can get as a player is getting the adulation from your fans. And uh, this fan base, you know, and the same thing happened with Patrick Ewing, you know, Towards the end of their careers, a little bit of grumbling about it's a time to move on. He's past his prime. But, you know, as, as John Lennon once said, wounds heal old time. When he's out there, people are going to love him like the, the native son he is. And he'll never have to buy another meal in this town ever again. And also, I think, Grump, his kind of post-football life has been just about perfect. The way he's kind of positions himself. You know, he's kind of the goofy Younger brother is, you know, he, he tweets kind of in a goofy way. This Monday night telecast he does with his brother has, you know, been fantastic and really been received really well. He's really positioned himself to be in the perfect situation for, you know, the next phase of his career and his life. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Eli Manning has the best job in the universe now. I mean, he can just be himself and have fun. And then he can have fun in football settings. I mean, he gets to work for the organization that he, the only organization he's ever played for. He gets to, you know, work on some level with them. Usually it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's hype work really. Um, but I'm sure he has like other responsibilities as well. But also, like you said, the telecasting, he gets to just be a goofball for, for, for money now, yeah. <laughs> which is pretty I mean, awesome. I mean, I wish. Peyton Manning didn't go to Tennessee, so I wouldn't have to hate Peyton Manning. But those two, you know, you can definitely tell that they have a really solid relationship. That whole family does. And it just, you know, on this Monday Night Telecast, it, it just shows this kind of like the dynamic where he's the older brother. Eli's the younger brother. You know, dad may be texting him about something. It's like, that's still dad. It, it's really good. And, and you're right. He's in no, there can be no better position for someone like him, you know doesn't have to go and be in the booth, you know, NBC and travel all around the country every week to different games. He can do this alternative broadcast from his couch, and that kind of makes it even more charming. So I, I think he's really set himself up to be to be Eli Manning 
as a career for a very, very long time. The other, I mean, the other thing is um, the Giants are the other, they're in a great position right now because this is, <laughs> they're, they're 0-2. They got off to a slow start. They got hosed getting a week two Thursday night game. You know, it's it's not, I don't want to say like cheap or unfair. They, they're at some unfair advantage or disadvantage with Washington because they have the same, you know, situation. Um but it, it's unfair because you just don't have time to make your week one to week two adjustments. And I, I feel like I've talked about this enough, so I don't have to do it anymore. You're 0-2. They played, you know, they did a lot of things really bad week one. They fixed some of them week two. You know, the offense, they've opened up the playbook. And it and it definitely showed what this offense can be. Um, now... You know, you get this easy opponent. Atlanta comes in. They're one of the five worst teams in the NFL, at least right now, it looks like. Um, they, right now, the Giants, they just need a win. They need something to give them mojo, some swagger. Let, let them play a little bit more loose instead of waiting for the game to fall apart, which is what it kind of feels like even as a fan. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to leave this for my prediction, but I'll, I'll say it now, I guess, is that the Giants, and I say it all the time, losers lose. And the last two weeks have proven the Giants are a losing team. This week we're going to figure out, well, are they a bad team? I mean, this they're playing a team that is one of the bottom dwellers in this league, is one of the three or four worst teams in the league, and it'll be, it'll be borne out over the 17-game schedule. But, you know, you lose a game like that in Washington, you know, you a team with equal-level talent, Teams, you know, most people were saying probably would win the division before the season started. You were punch for punch against them, and you found a way to lose. That makes you a loser. It doesn't make you a bad team necessarily. Yes. You know, Denver, Denver, we're not really sure about yet. Denver could be better than we thought, and they looked pretty pretty decent when we saw them. You know, in week one, they found ways to lose that. They're, that was a loss. They're, this week, they have more talent. They're at home. They're more desperate. All of these things. If they lose a game like this, it's not because the losers lose. It's because after three weeks, after you know, almost uh, almost a quarter of the season, you can say they are a bad team. So I don't like to ever say pin one game on. Oh, I'm making any blanket statements or my final decision about something. But you know, once you get past three games, you can start making a you know figure out what you are and. I just hope we're a loser and not bad because a loser, that's just – could be bad luck, could be whatever, just bad mojo like you said. A bad team's a bad team, yeah. and I'm hoping they win, and you know, let's say, okay, well, they're not as bad as we think they are. They still have to learn to win, and learning how to win starts with one thing, win. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't even have to be pretty. Sometimes you can back your way in. Like, like last week – if they had won on Thursday against Washington, let's just say that the referee doesn't blow the call on the on the field goal attempt and, you know, the 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 kick is wide right, you win the game, clock the time runs out and, you know, you win by two or whatever. Um that would be in my opinion and I said this, I said this last time, I was very like morose about even even lining up for the field goal, my girlfriend was like, "What if he misses?" And I was like, "They still played like shit. I'm disappointed in what the defense brought out there. You know, whatever." 
that's all true still. I'd be disappointed. But you got the win. You got that that the first step, like you said, of shedding the stink of losing off of you is to shed it. It doesn't matter if you blow out the opponent, you play a really good game against a tough opponent, a really good game against a bad opponent. When you win, you can finally be like, oh, finally, you get that one out of the way. And you're just like, okay, something went right here. And I have the concrete proof of a W to point to to say that, I did something right. Now I just need to correct what went wrong. And it, it's just it's just the necessary first step before you actually start correcting things and be getting better. You know, if we were five and two or even four and four and we are kicking for that last second field goal and it's miss it, I would I would have that same feeling of you, that morose, that because I kind of know what we are. And it's just like, you know, we played poorly this week or there may be a trend from the last two weeks that are like these things are starting to pop up. I would have those feeling of melancholy, morose, whoever you are. For a team that's 0-1 and playing a division game against a team that I hate and all national spotlight and blah, 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 I would have been jumping up. I was jumping up and down. Mm-hmm. You know, as soon as, the, as soon as that Noel pulled a Noel move and went wide right, I was just – I was so elated until I saw people pointing on the field, and I was like, oh, my God. So uh, it's all about situation and time and place and circumstance. Last week was no time for me to all to be like, yeah, but it was got the win. One and one, division win on the road. Let's go. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want the win at all times, and I'd be much happier with the win than without it. It's just that lukewarm, bittersweet win feeling that I would have had. But nevertheless, I'll take that 100 times out of 100, not just for the W, but because of what we're just saying. Like, to get rid of the losing stink, you got to win. And it's not we won six games out of the last 10 of the last year, and we can build a bridge to this year. It's forget last year. You lost week one. Last year does not matter. You are a loser right now. You're losing. And and winning the last couple games in a losing with a losing record, you're still a fucking loser. The only way you become a winner is to have a winning record. And the first step is to win games. Um I I mean, it's not all rosy and sunshines here with the with the Giants, but there's some <laughs> level of optimism. You know, you you lose Nick Gates for the year, okay? Broken leg. He's in a hospital in Virginia or West Virginia or something like that. He's gone. Shane Lemieux, you know, has just he this week. I want to say yesterday, or maybe it was this morning, has elected for surgery. He is done for the year officially today. But Thursday, you know, you had Ben Bredesen come in there in reserve. He was not slated to start. That was Nick Gates' spot. Billy Price was coming in there to get acclimated to the center position, they want to maybe put and, Nick Gates in Bredesen's and they were spot. And they were serviceable. And that's kind of all you really... That's a bare minimum you want, but we at least got that. They were we bad. They were, they were good enough for the game plan. They weren't good. They were serviceable. But against a really good defensive front. And especially, you know, for all the hype that Montez Sweat and Chase Young get, Ron Payne and Jonathan Allen are the best two defensive linemen on that team. And they're the ones that they went up against in the, in the interior of the defensive line. It's an interesting take, but okay. You don't think so? Well, I guess so. I mean, I, I mean, so you're not considering Sweat and what's-his-name defensive linemen? I just don't think that they're better than Payne and Allen. Mm, they're, both, they're, both, they're both one, one 
one pass rush move guys. If it doesn't win, they have no counter. And you can see if Nate Solder can just push Montez Sweat around almost every single play, then I'm not saying they're not good players. I would actually say Sweat is better than Young right now, today, week three of the 2021 season. But and and we had this discussion a little bit on the Talking Giants episode uh, or the the live thing. Uh, yesterday, Wednesday, you can check that out. I'll put the link in the description as well. I was I was on the live talking Giants show, and this was brought up. You know, these guys are first of all, both of those guys are better than any pass rusher on the Giants. So I'm not shitting on Washington <laughs> when I say that somebody is overrated. You can be good and overrated at the same time, and that's kind of the situation. the The real talent are the guys who don't get enough credit, and it's the interior D lineman guys. They're really, really good. Allen and Payne, really good. Um, and quite frankly, Bredesen and Price aren't going up against that same level of competition. You know, uh, Grady Jarrett, Jonathan Bullard. There's a lot of Gators on this Falcons team. Did you notice? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. From- well, look who is who is their old coach? It was Dan Quinn, former yeah. defensive coordinator too. So yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm not nearly as worried about that stuff. And and given the way that they held up against a really good defensive front, I feel even better about it this week. There's still some really bad reps. I mean, Bill, Ben Bredesen was on the ground half the time. Billy Price is mostly responsible for Nick Gates losing this season. Um, but it wasn't great. But they were up against one of the best defensive lines in the league. I, I think the building blocks, too, of what Daniel Jones has done in the last couple of weeks is something else to build upon. I mean... He, if you watched that game and you didn't know Daniel Jones' backstory, yeah, you'd be like, you'd be like, this guy's pretty good, you know. We saw some of that RPO stuff and, and the, you know, the run option things he was doing earlier in the game. We saw a nice deep ball he threw. We see him get hosed because a receiver drops a, a short touchdown. But if you didn't know, that, you know, that stigma and that perception about him about turnovers and fumbles and all this and. Oh, why was he drafted six as opposed to here? And you just why if you were a Martian who came down to watch this game, you'd be like, This guy's pretty good. He's a pretty good, you know, a solid NFL quarterback. And I think that's kind of his trajectory. You know, he's getting better and better every week and every week. So um that's something major to build off of for sure. And not only is he getting better and better, he's getting a new weapon back, it looks like. It looks like Evan Ingram was a full participant this today thursday's practice um i actually don't have his official status Uh, for some reason he's the only one i i can't find but i know that he was practicing more than was expected yesterday on wednesday um friday tomorrow when you guys are hearing this episode and watching this episode on youtube is going to be the big day to see if evan ingram gets playing time or not don't roll your eyes and say we don't need him etc evan ingram is a weapon we need every weapon we can get we need to use him effectively we need to have him stretch the field, run out routes, don't put him over the middle of the field every his, play. But we need- Evan Ingram's Evan Ingram's best value to this team is the perception he has around the league of being a uh, of a, a mismatch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we laugh at him, haha, floor bowler. But the league has a perception of him of being a mismatch, a a, a game breaker. Uh, you know, all the superlatives that he hasn't earned, but the league thinks about that. So just the fact he's back in on the field. Is something else that they have to, you know, uh, game plan against and prepare for. I mean, now we have two weapons who can drop the ball at a moment's notice, and that's nice for our offense. But it, it's something you have to account for, and, and that alone should make Daniel Jones' life a little easier. 
Oh man, that was that was good. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Uh, you know, the rest of the injury report is just Knicks. I think Knicks and scrapes, limited guys. Uh, Atlanta, on the other hand, it couldn't possibly get worse. I mean, this is a bad team that has bad news. I mean, Russell Gage still hasn't practiced ankle injury. He went out for a couple plays against Tampa when he sustained the injury, went back out there and played, uh, but has not practiced yet. And that's, you know, for a team that doesn't have a lot of receivers, that was, you know, somebody described Russell Gage as the third down guy for them. I mean, he's up there in targets for them. Uh, does not look like he's going to play. Their best corner, Terrell, concussion, still is not. I have to say, at this point, if he hasn't practiced in a concussion protocol, he is probably out. And that's huge for the Giants. And I'll say it like this. This is the matchup to watch. Sterling Shepard, Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton versus whatever player is sorry enough to be stuck in one-on-one coverage. There is not one DB on this roster that can match up with any of those three guys one-on-one. End of story. That needs to be taken advantage of very badly. So this is going to be a definite you know, test to see how this coaching staff adjusts, how aggressive they're going to be, shed maybe that growing perception of over-conservatism for this coaching staff, attack, 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 attack. We're not going to have the pass rush we've seen last week against Washington or, you know, or what Denver potentially has. Daniel Jones should have time to get his drops, do his reads, and get the ball downfield. And if we see a lot of dink and dump stuff and a lot of just little – It'll hitch routes and stuff and not challenging these cornerbacks. There's going to be some fire alarms and probably a score closer than it should be. I mean, I think you attack early and often and you try to get out to a lead, get this game out of reach early if you can and, you know, get out of there with a win. So you want to give your prediction for this? Uh, I mean, for me, before I get into the prediction, I think the, the key here, this is, this is how you win on both sides of the ball. Get aggressive. Seriously. Last week, the offense showed that they've got the talent to operate beyond the four-yard route tree. DJ can sling it. We've seen it. He can call it. He can slit it. He can audible it. This O-line is not good, but it's good enough. You know, for all this bullshit about the hog mollies and this is year four of hog mollies, we have no hog mollies, this offensive line is good enough. Around the league, there are plays where offensive linemen fall down. They don't get their blocks, but they sustain enough of a block to let the downfield route develop, let the quarterback work out of the pocket, go through his reads. It's not just the O-line that's been the problem all along. They can, they've proven last week with piss-poor offensive line play between the center guard relationship there, um, they can still operate down the field. And Washington, quite frankly, has a better secondary than Atlanta as well. I mean, like I said, Atlanta's in the bottom five of the league on paper and so far on film this year. I don't want to make too much of an early judgment this year. But the key here is to be aggressive. Like you said, the defense, though, they need to step up and play with some fucking attitude. Okay, show me some more press man with single high stuff. Show me some blitzes. Show me some disguise blitzes. You know, Matt Ryan, he's real smart. He's got a good arm. He's accurate. But he's not mobile. Get in his face. And don't play 10 yards off the ball. Yeah. Get you know, aggressive. Press at the line of scrimmage. Bump these guys. Rub these guys. Get, get them off their marks. Get them off their, you know, I'm going seven yards in. Smack them in the, the line of scrimmage. Make them work. Yeah, and, and not for nothing, but disrupt the timing. I mean, those mm-hmm. quick routes. I, I mean, I, I have an episode of the Defining Drive that was supposed to go out 
Um, it, it's it's just delayed because the All-22 is delayed. That's apparently resolved. So, But I, I highlighted in that Washington game how timing never got disrupted, how we're playing off. And then magically, when you play press, all of a sudden the incompletions start and the tough throws, you know, they're dropped. I mean, it's not... I mean, football is not an easy game. Strategically, it's one of the most complex games there is. And that's what makes it so interesting. But the root concepts of it are not rocket science. I mean, and al- how and also, you approach them is different, but the obvious things are obvious. And don't outthink yourself. Yeah. Let I always say this, let players play. You know, if you're trying to play three-dimensional you know, chess against the other coordinator and stuff. You know, if, if they think I'm going to do this, but we're not going to press or playing off it, you know, guess what? At the end of the day, the guys on the field are going to decide the game and you're making it easy for the other team to win with something because you're trying to be too smart. You know, do your strengths. Do what you do best. We saw what this defense can be when it does its best last year. We With, you know, not quite the personnel that we wanted to have. Now we have that personnel to make us be more aggressive, play more man, do more things. You know, the, we're getting now into our ninth through 12th quarters of the season, you know, and they played limited in the preseason, but we're getting into it. It's time to play. Take the, take the training bra off and let those puppies breathe. Let's go. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Um, yeah. You know what? And one more point, point of uh, aggressiveness on defense Show me some inside blitzes. This interior O-line for Atlanta is not very good, especially the center. Um, Don't just rely on your four-man rush. We saw it in preseason with the inside linebacker blitzes. Even Carter Coughlin was pretty effective there. I mean, just go in there and wreck some dudes. Knock some people over. Make Matt Ryan nervous. Mix in some corner blitzes with that and disguise the interior blitzes. Make them think. Throw off the timing. Do everything you can. And don't do these things every single play. That's why you have a a whole playbook. You know, mix it in every once in a while just enough so, you know, it's more effective. You know, you have – you know, all these weapons at your disposal, use them, mix these plays in and out and do it. If the Giants do everything that I think is needed here, if they stay as aggressive as I would be and, you know, just jump right out to the fast start like they did against Washington, which was a great first drive, by the way, um, this should be a no-brainer. I don't think it's going to go as smoothly as I want it to go because, of course, because A, I'm in attendance, so that's number one. I can't have anything good when I'm in attendance. Fucking mush. Right? God, I thought I was the mush. Um, I do better on the road. Um, yeah, Carolina and Atlanta shirt, and no, those but, all. Hey, I was the Denver game a couple years ago. We were bad, and we came out on Monday night and beat the shit out of them. Yeah, we beat we beat Tampa in the last second kick. That's true. Yeah, and I, I've seen two wins in Tampa. I don't think they're going to do everything just the way I like it or that I would do. I think this game's going to be a little bit closer, but there's no excuse for losing this game. I have the Giants thirty-one twenty-four. I think we're going to see that that uh, the key turned and the flip switched, or the yeah, the switch flipped, or whatever the, whatever the analogy actually is on this defense to see more of that aggressiveness that we we're talked about. If you think about the Super Bowl year where the defense was god awful for two and a half games, and then the you know a light went on and the defense started playing a lot better, I think you're going to see it now. I think you've seen enough of the post preseason phase of this uh, season over with, I think you're going to start seeing this defense, the way this defense was engineered to run. I think it's going to be relatively low scoring, but I think the giants are going to come away and win this something like 21 
to 10. 21-10. And around the NFC East, we've got some other games. Washington is going up to Buffalo uh, on Sunday. Uh, how do you feel about that one? <laughs> I feel like the Giants are going to be tied with Washington at 1-2 and two in the division after this. I think I think Buffalo was, you know, don't worry about week ones. People always overreact. Buffalo is a very strong team, a Super Bowl contending team. I think they, they win – Mighty handily. Now, Tyler Haneke, for all the everybody's excited about him, is still a backup. Um, let's give Buffalo a 24-10 win as well. Look, if we're scoring almost 30 points on Washington, I've got Buffalo at home scoring 35. Um, you know, Taylor Heineke, Washington football fans, relish your legend of Taylor Heineke all you want. Buffalo is not as fucking pussy whipped as we are on defense. This is a mark this one in stone. This is a loss for Washington. Done. Um, and then Monday night, Philadelphia travels to Dallas. I mean, this is another one. Philadelphia fans, I know you got your your sweetheart early game there, um, week one, but that was Atlanta. This is Dallas. This is a much better offense in Dallas. Doesn't even matter how bad their defense is. Not this week. Not this week. It's not going to matter. Dallas, I have – this one's going to be another one like it. I'm going to say 31 points for Dallas. Philadelphia, uh, I'll give Philly some points. Let's say 20, 31-20. I had this as 35-17. I think Dallas scores early and often. Philly may score in some garbage time. Uh, But you know what this means, though? You know, basing all all this – this is how important this week is. We don't think any individual weeks that is – as important in itself, but if all these predictions play out, we're going to have three teams in the East at one and two. Yeah. Yeah. And and the leader and the leader at two and one who a little smoke and mirror based on, you know, who they played. So, you know, you don't want this to get away from us too early in the season. The giants are not good enough to make up big gops of ground during the rest of the regular season. They got to hang tight with them. And if these things play out the way we think they are, you're almost back to square one again. You know, okay, we have a division loss. It was on the road. That's kind of expected almost, hmm. you know, so, you know, Philly will have a division loss as well. Um, so bottom line, everything else around the league is fine. Giants have to win this week. They have to win this week. Um, I like Cranky Fan said he's going to be late to the game, so uh, I'll be there early. I'll be wandering around the parking lot pretty early. I'll get a spicy chicken sandwich or some maybe some tater tots again, and then I'll mm. head my way out to the Jameson room again. So you know, hit me up on Twitter at football underscore grump. You can DM me. You can just message, uh, just tweet at me if you want, and I'll you know come. We can hang out, high five, whatever, talk some Giants football. But just in general, follow me at football underscore grump on Twitter. Uh, between now and Sunday. Hey, you Yankee fans out there. That's our third straight postseason appearance for the Rays. So I'm planning my October bouncing all around the country between my Giants, my Rays, and of course our New York football Giants. So catch me as always at the Cranky Fan. Uh, We'll be together with the Giants, enemies for baseball, you know, and we're all, I guess, together for the Knicks. We want to talk about that. But follow me at the Cranky Fan, and we can talk about everything going on. And, of course, this podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, 
and Google Play. And of course, it's also available on YouTube now. So be sure to like and subscribe. Like the video, subscribe to the channel. We just kind of are getting it off the ground now. We do other stuff on YouTube as well besides the podcast itself. So be sure to check that out and, you know, and tell, if you want to subscribe. And tell a friend. Tell a friend or two. Tell all your friends that are Giant fans. Tell your uncle who's a Giant fan. You know, even if you, they're not podcast listeners, they – you know, if they're on YouTube and they're going down some wormhole to see some garbage or some, you know, tell them to watch some real good content. Tell them to you know, subscribe to the Just Giants podcast along with all the other, you know, great podcasts that, and, and web shows that cover the Giants out there. Subscribe to them all. Become a smarter fan than the other idiots in the division so you can, you know, talk shit to them and be smart. So start with hitting the subscribe button to ours, the Just Giants podcast and, and YouTube show. A smarter fan base is what we strive for. All right, everyone, together now. Go Giants. Go Giants.